Welcome back to Healthy Perspectives, a podcast dedicated to patients, healthcare, innovation, and technology. I'm Martin Kirtan. And I'm Angelica Kopichko. We are your hosts. Today, we're talking about recovery. Recovery is at the core of what we do every day, making patients better. But how can the process of recovery apply to our everyday lives? We sat down with Nick Proper, CEO of Human Impact Performance, to talk about his unique approach to managing stress and being our best selves. We started by asking Nick what his work means to him and how it's helped him gain a sense of purpose. Could you share how you got into this type of work and why it was particularly meaningful to you? The starting point for me was um, kind of getting diagnosed with uh, kidney disease in 2010. Um, so I got diagnosed with uh, FSGS, which is um, you know kidney disease that basically over time sort of a, a, a leaking of protein through the kidneys creates uh, scarring and over time the scarring starts to diminish kidney function and, and and really when I got diagnosed with it in 2010 and kind of out of the blue um well I say out of the blue I was being a typical kind of ignoring some very obvious telltale signs that something wasn't quite right but telling myself like this is exactly what I was saying before okay this is just how it must feel to be pushing this hard in in what I'm doing um and so I got diagnosed with this kidney disease and, you know, it was, a, it was a big shock. And like many other people, I just said, uh, well, I'm not going to let this get in the way of everything I'm trying to get done. So I kind of put it in a little box, buried it underground and just carried on. In fact, I think I probably doubled down on, you know, pushing. Cause I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I didn't know who I was trying to prove it to, but I was like, I'm going to show them this isn't going to slow me down. And then, you know, fast forward six months or nine months when I'd been, you know, in some really aggressive treatment cycles, I was um, starting to struggle mentally with depression, partly because of the, uh, a lot of the brain chemistry changes I was experiencing with some of the medications that I was on. And I just hit the wall, like physiological breakdown, uh, a real emotional breakdown. Um, I think one the one dimension I probably just held together was focus. And what I mean by that is I was still showing up at work and in various other ways and kind of getting it done, which is just a reminder of this is my point. Right? We can just keep going, whereas the, some of the foundational building blocks of us as human beings have collapsed. And it really took my wife to, to sort of sit me down and just say, I'm objectively looking at you, someone that I know very well and love and, and know what normal looks like and you've disappeared and that's a problem. So what are we going to do about it? And so I started to pay close attention to the journey that I was on. And then it coincided rather wonderfully with uh, an opportunity to go on a, a, on a course looking at this kind of concept of energy management which was totally alien to me. And, uh, and honestly, like everybody else, I walked in with my arms tightly folded, like, what's this all about? And, um, you know, how's this possibly going to help me? And like three hours later, I just, I, I just had this kind of revelation. I just, this, this idea that, um, you, you know, energy 
is such a crucial variable that we have to pay attention to and and not just think constantly through the lens of managing time and efficiency and utilization and getting stuff done um and and more than anything it asks it forced me to pose the same questions that we were just discussing who are you when you're at your best where are you now and it they it was like worlds apart and forced me to start making some changes and um and I started with a very simple change, like very, very simple change, which was really just um, finding a little bit, a little bit more time for sort of recovery throughout the day. Um, like I, like, like I, like I say today, just a few minutes of thoughtful recovery, um, and it, I started to feel different. I started to feel better. I started to rebuild, and it took probably about a year to get back on my feet. Um, and then when I kind of got back and I, I kind of went back to my day job, I, I became like this massively irritating evangelist for this work. <laughs> like you couldn't walk past me without me saying, Hey, I really want to talk to you about this idea of energy management. And, uh, I, I kind of knew there was something that a fire had been lit kind of in terms of, I feel like this is a place where I can make maybe even more of an impact in, in how I'm spending my time on the planet. And so I ended up meeting some interesting people who connected me to some other interesting people. And before I knew it, I was had create, found an opportunity to start to train in this area and then train to be able to then facilitate this type of content. Um, and, and, you know, I've never looked back. And um, so it is a kind of, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's the story of, it, not not to sound too dramatic, but it, it probably did save me. Honestly, it, it, it probably starting to just answer some of those simple questions, closing the gap between the person you know you can be and the person that you are. Um, very painful, very painful to, and I think that was what was the hardest. I didn't want to stop and answer those questions because I kind of knew the answer and it was not going to be great. Um, and then realizing that this stuff actually works, you know, this is not a soft skill area. This is not a nice to have. This is not a, you know, we'll get to it if, you know, once we've done the core stuff for me, this is more foundational than anything else. And so that's how I got into it. And I think I, I knew that, uh, you know, I had a, a very clear sense of purpose. I had never really had a clear sense of purpose other than, um, you know, the next rung on the ladder and the next this and the next that and the next race and the longer triathlon and the this and the that. Um, I, I just realized that, I, you know, maybe I had the potential to get people to pause and reflect and connect with them in a way that may maybe inspire them to make some small changes. And, and that's where it began. And, and, and here we are doing what we do. If you're in a high pressure environment, time always seems limited. Do you think everybody has time to do something like this? Yeah, I think, I mean, the, the initial barrier is um, the connection. And we built very powerful associations with this idea of recovery during the workday or recovery in the home environment as inefficiency, as downtime, as unproductive time, as being lazy or indulgent. And so what do we do? We say, I'll get to it when things calm down. When there isn't a demand on my time, I'll find a minute for myself, you know? In six weeks' time, I'm going to take three days vacation. Hopefully, that'll 
solve all of my problems. <laughs> or even, you know, if I can just get through to the weekend, that's where I get all of my recovery. I refuel and reset perfectly over the weekend, ready to start on Monday morning all over again. Of course, that's just not the case. And even people pushing it off to this concept of at the end of my work day, I'll get my recovery. You know, I, don't, I probably just don't need to go very far. Say, how's that working out for everybody <laughs> at the moment? And this is the big issue. One is a, a perception that time is a barrier, but also that it's, it's, it's a luxury. You know, it's a luxury that's going to get in the way of me doing what I need to do. Me serving my clients, me serving my patient community, me, um, you know, basically doing my job properly. And it couldn't be further from the truth. Recovery is actually a crucial component to maintaining that very highest level of performance and impact on the people that you're working with or caring for or living with. And so that's one of the barriers to recovery is time, but also it's indulgent. And the other barrier we have is people have a very preset idea around how much time they need in order to make a meaningful impact on them when they think about recovery or even things like working out. You know, it's, it's, it's fascinating. We talk to so many people and you hear people say, you know, if I, when I work out, I, it, you know, it takes an hour. And, and one of the stories I tell myself, if I've only got half an hour, there's no point. You know, there's no point. And, and we see the same with recovery. If I've got a couple of minutes between this meeting and the start of the next one, nothing meaningful is going to happen in two minutes. So I may as well just pick up my uh, to-do list and start getting going with the next thing. And, and again, the really, that's a, that's, a, that's a real misunderstanding because if we're thoughtful, intentional about doing things, and this is where that phrase micro recovery comes from, if we only need a very short amount of time, perhaps even a minute or two in between meetings or a minute or two after you've just experienced something that was pretty stressful to actually have a pretty good, you know, strategic recovery process so that we can come out of this, the other side of that discomfort in a, in a, in a positive way. But we have to be intentional about doing it. it. It's, it's, again, it's, it's not an information problem that the, the problem is not, I don't know what would make me feel better if I took a couple of minutes and did a certain modality. It's it's training myself to just do those things when the moments arise and also to plan to find some of those moments of recovery throughout the day. So micro recovery is really just this concept that if we even if we have, even if the starting point, and this is where we train people, the starting point just to find perhaps a minute or two every hour during the day to do something intentional to kind of offset the the last fifty eight minutes, um, and if we can create that pattern of oscillation between stress and recovery throughout the course of the day, that's actually when we start to make dramatic progress. And and all we needed was a minute per hour. And I'm always very respectful when I say this to the people that we work with. <laughs> I don't care how busy you are. I know that everybody has an hour every minute that right now is slipping through their fingers in terms of they could be doing something more productive. So micro recovery is really the idea of short bursts of intentional, thoughtful recovery throughout the course of the day, particularly following periods of stress is 
the underpinnings of building that resiliency system. And then the menu component is how do we bridge the gap from, I know I've got a minute now to doing the thing that I know is going to help me. That's actually the biggest problem is if, if people don't know what their default go-to is when a minute arises or when five minute arises, then quite often we, 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 we hesitate and the, and the window closes. And so we talk about this idea of recovery menu. It's really figuring out if I have a minute, what do I know I'm going to do? If I have five minutes, what do I know I'm going to do? And it's simply saying, what do you know about yourself? If you have a minute or five minutes and you do something, what is something that would bring some kind of refueling, recharging, a moment of pause, a bit of reflection? Everybody comes up with those ideas super fast. It's now saying, okay, now you need to train yourself to just default into doing that activity. So we see it all the time. We see it with runners, you know, who want to get up at five in the morning in the middle of winter and and go running. Once they're running, they love it. It, the, The issue to getting out in the morning is not, I don't enjoy running. It's the five minutes of sneaking around in the, in the pitch black at home, freezing cold, getting out from underneath the duvet, finding your, you know, your running gear, getting your, your, your running shoes on and getting out the front door. So that's where you, you see people, runners go to bed in their running gear because it closes, it removes the barrier to getting into the good behavior. And it's the same with micro recovery. If, if I know that when I have a moment that I've either planned for, which is kind of when you get to slightly more intentionality around it, or even just someone says, okay, we're wrapping up the meeting. I'm giving you two minutes back. We want people to immediately say two minutes, right, go. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to stand up and move. I'm going to refill my water and I'm going to sit back down a minute and a half later. And so many powerful, positive things have happened by doing that. So looking at this approach through the lens of healthcare, is the recovery menu a tool that could help patients and caregivers? So I think the first thing when you think about, you know, your audience and and the stakeholders that they're working with is the framework is where are you trying to get to through the simple lens? We use a simple lens of best self. You know, when you're at your best, what's going on? What are the kind of behaviors you recognize? What are the emotional characteristics you recognize? are available to you when you're showing up really well for people at work, for patients, for um, as a caregiver, for family or friends or whatever it might be. What what do you notice about yourself? And we we drill it down to three, you know, three words. What are your three best self words? So for me it's, you know, when I'm at my best, I'm I'm patient, I'm focused, and I'm empathetic. And I know that if I can hold on to those characteristics for a couple more minutes when I go into a moment that matters throughout the day, I start to drive much more significant impact for me and the people around me. Yeah, I love the idea of scheduling time for recovery, actually. It's kind of what you were talking about earlier with setting aside time and planning for it. So definitely going to adopt that. (laughs) Yeah, it's that kind of habits. You know, it's interesting, whatever we put into Outlook calendar happens. Isn't it? Isn't that true? Yep. How many times you get to Friday and think, I didn't show up to any of my meetings this week. No one ever has that experience. Why? Because I've calendarized it. I've focused on it. I know why it matters and it's important. And there's no reason why we shouldn't be calendarizing recovery. It's the same thing. Like if we, 
if it takes us to put it into Outlook, because when we put it into our Outlook calendar, we get it done, so be it. You know, it doesn't matter. It's it's just another thing that is important in our in our week. So yeah, we see it all the time. You know, we see people and organizations ultimately when they start to pull this through at scale, they they start to change some of their procedures, their processes, some of, you know, culturally some of the things that they want to do in 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 their meetings to try to support this type of concept. And one of the ones that I thought was lovely was we often hear people say, you know, we should re- reduce meetings from 30 minutes to 25 or 60 minutes to 50. And of course that makes a lot of sense. And um, I was on a call doing a session with the CEO of a, of, of a giant organization. And he, um, he said in his closing remarks, well, something that I thought was brilliant. He said, look, it's tempting for me to now say, yeah, let's, you know, as a starting point, let's reduce, let, let's find recovery in, in, in every hour by reducing our meetings from 30 minutes to 25 and, and 60 minutes to 50. He said, but I know that there are probably literally a million meetings already calendarized in everybody's calendars. And the last thing I want to do is have everyone now start like making a mess. So here's what I'd ask you all to do. Keep your 60 minute meeting, keep your 30 minute meeting, but if you're the leader of that meeting, start the meeting by saying, let's take a couple of minutes just to make sure that we all have a moment of recovery. Yeah, get your water, stand up, stretch. If you need to pop outside for a couple of minutes, we're going to start in three or four minutes. And I just thought it was genius because really it was saying, you don't have to kind of, you don't need a policy that says we don't do 30 minute meetings. Actually, all we need is an awareness that not only taking five minutes at the start of that meeting to recover is great for everybody, but you're going to have a much more productive discussion in the balance of that time because people are going to be primed cognitively to perform at a higher level. How long does it take for people to see results using this approach? Yeah, Martin, thank you for asking the impossible question. Um, no, I think we talk about we talk about micro missions as well as micro recovery. So what we want everyone to come out of our programming with is a mission. That That's really... What's the area of focus that you want to bring um, to your day-to-day, you know, in terms of closing that gap between where you are and where you're trying to get to? And and what are some of the rituals that you're going to put in place to make sure that you complete that mission? So, for example, someone might say, you know, I, I, I definitely recognize that I'm probably dehydrated a little bit every day, every day of the week. And, and once they start to understand that that's probably compromising their, some of their mood and, and their ability to perform, um, they may say, I just want to drink a little bit more water every day. And then they say that a ritual that I'm going to use is I'm going to, you know, set an alarm every 45 minutes or use my Apple watch just to buzz me to say, sip some water. And then what we see is we ask people to commit to that for somewhere between 30 and 60 days. One single mission, remember, aim low, single simple mission, repeat it for 30 to 60 days. And at some point for the majority of people within that 30 to 60 day window, they're going to see results. And results, as I said, is they're going to just recognize that they feel different in a good way at that point of the day or the week where normally they feel terrible or normally they're irritable or normally they you know, they recognize that they're just not at their best. And some people, of course, immediately 
it's the, the reason it's very difficult to put a number on it because it really depends on the mission. We have people who, you know, perhaps haven't got their fueling right. They're, they're always constantly chasing their fueling through the day. They, you know, the, they get to lunchtime. Wow, I haven't eaten anything today. Does that sound familiar to how many executives out there? And of course, when they start to address that and maybe they just start to put a little bit more fuel, good fuel in the body early in the day, within days, they're like, wow, you know, I just... I just had a clearer head all day today, so it can happen very fast. Um, but I, but generally, you know, we, we we know that new habits can be formed within that kind of thirty to sixty day period, and 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 that's that's kind of the breakthrough point. That's the aha moment, and then and then people are like, yeah, oh, I'm just going to keep this going because it's helping. We do the things that we recognize help us if they're simple and easy to do, and then we just build. Well, well, being mindful of time, Nick, I just wanted to say thank you so much for taking the time just to share your story, share your ideas and your thoughts. I, for one, find it sort of just a really interesting way, like, as you say, to look at things that maybe you've already thought about, but haven't like codified them and put them together and thought, how could I actually apply this in an impactful way? And in a realistic way that actually is something I could achieve rather than something that seems sort of this unattainable thing I'll never get to. So, um, yeah, thanks definitely for just coming in, talking to us and sharing your time. Yeah, this was an absolute pleasure. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. We can all find time to make recovery part of our daily routine. Learn more about Nick's unique approach at impacthumanperformance.com. And thanks for listening. And as always, stay tuned for more updates and perspectives from Patients and Purpose by following us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and other social platforms.